Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is 20 Questions on Deadline, and I'm Antonia Blythe, Senior Awards Editor. My guest this week is Chris Chalk. You'll know him from Gotham, Homeland, The Newsroom, and the film's 12 Years a Slave, and When They See Us, among other things. And now he's back on HBO for a second season of the detective series Perry Mason. Chalk plays police officer Paul Drake, and in season one of the show, we saw him leave the force and join up with Perry Mason as a private detective at his agency. Chalk was also just at Sundance with the film All Dirt Roads, Taste of Salt. Okay, well, welcome to 20 Questions on Deadline, Chris Chalk. Thank, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Welcome to your 20 questions. <laughs> um, so season two has been out since March 6th. We're three episodes in, about to hit four. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I really feel like season one finale, really exciting. We were going to see Paul be part of the team. But then opening season two, you see there's still tension between Paul and mm-hmm, Perry. Mm-hmm. And I'm really interested to see how that's going to play out. And I don't want to spoil it for people that haven't seen a lot of this season. But can you give us a hint as to how you felt when you saw the script for season two, the evolution of Paul, and sort of how, how comfortable you are with him now? Um, there were no scripts to be seen at the top of season two. It was all because it was new showrunners and it took them a minute to catch up to the language of a show. They never, you know, that's not their show and it is now, but you know, it wasn't their brainchild. So it took them a while to create the, the, I will say correct version (laughs) of Perry Mason. And then, um, as we developed it, I, I always say it's episode three when I feel like, oh, we're all speaking the same language. We mm. all feel safe. It's like a relationship, any relationship. We had to get comfortable and trust each other and be vulnerable and trust each other's taste. And I really wanted for this season to be about Paul losing all of those veils and all those performances that he was holding up in the first season. He was very you know, stoic and very almost inauthentic. Mm. really because there was no space where he could relax and let his belly hang and unbutton his shirt even at home he's performing for his wife i'm safe this is all good we're we're safe we're going but it's all fallen to shit and so there's no more there's no more pretend and this guy's just surviving and i love that i love it i really love that scene with his wife 
where they pretend to do the bath for the kid and they just go have this real and it's such a marriage moment I love it so much I love how much we see of him at home and we're starting to kind of really understand who he is within his family um how are we going to see him sort of really find his feet as a character I wonder if we are going to see Paul find his feet as a character or if he's still discovering himself. I wonder, and I like to speak in I wonders, hmm. I wonder if he is just learning. I think this, I think being a black person in America is tough, obviously. Uh, but what it does is it forces a person to put on a veil. It puts on a guard. If you want to move ahead and so in this kind of capitalistic white world and live, especially in the 30s, there's a veil, there's a performance, there's some sort of like inauthenticity. And sometimes you perform it so, one performs it so long that they are not, they don't even know where the core of their actual being is. And I think in this second season, Paul is realizing he's full of shit and that it's it's all a house of cards. And so I wonder if by the end of the season, he even finds who he is or he's still like, all right, let's try this jacket on. Okay, I'll keep... I mean, he's a guy who can improv and figure it out and he's going to always have this core of his family, love for his children, his, I'm sorry, his child, his wife, his family, himself, to some degree himself. Uh, but who he is outside of that, I don't think he has a single clue because he's been surviving since he was birthed. Yeah, I mean, I thought about... Um the reticence he has to trust Perry and you can completely see why there's that tension because Perry is has not not been racist Perry he called him a nigga yeah. the first time he saw him he, yeah <laughs> like we we're not gonna forget you that. can't go back you can't go back your mm -mm. first choice in how to motivate me and it happened to work to some degree was to like shock but that's also if we're being real that was just like saying mustard in the 30s. You know what I mean? It wasn't a thing that people didn't say, but it did reveal who you were. Mm. You know, now people pretend they don't say it or don't say it. But then it was just a part of the vernacular. Boy, nigga, like it's just, it was okay. And that's the savagery of the states, really. And, yeah. and of racism is like, man, the woke generation would be, they couldn't handle back then because it was so mean. They're just mean, mean people. And that's something else I always want to do with the show is make sure we're being mean. We're mm -hmm. mean people. Everybody's a misogynist because we don't know better. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, Paul's sweet, but I wonder if he's, like, slapped Clara once or twice. I wonder. I don't think he has, but I wonder because he's not. We got to tell the truth. We can't mm -hmm. tell the thing we want to tell to be, like, PC and awesome and cool. No, they're all kind of pieces of shit. Yeah. Yeah. In the very beginning when you read the role, tell me. what really spoke to you? What made you excited about it? Well, that's Tim Van Patten was the first person I talked to about the role. Well, that's not true. When I read it, I was like, Paul Drake's going to be a black person? That's interesting. Let me see. This is going to be. Right, because previously yeah. he was a tall, it's been white, white guy And older, you know. Yeah. And so I was wondering if it would be handled with, if it was just a, um, what is that? It's like a show. They're not really going to make this about Paul Drake. It's not going to be a real person. He'll be a, a token for Perry to do his stuff. And then talking to the Downies and Tim Van Patten, it started to feel like, oh, this guy is, they've got an idea of how to really reveal L.A. to us since we don't know Perry Mason's world with anyone other than white people. 
this is like queer people, Asians, Latin Latin people, uh, black people, and and that became very exciting for me, like really exciting. I went from like, ah, who cares, to like, oh, I want this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I really love this show, um, and I'm really, really excited about where it's going. Mm -hmm. Where would you love to see it go, especially for Paul moving forward? I would like for Paul to figure out how to stand on his own two feet. I mean, sharing the weight with his wife, but I would really love him to realize that he doesn't need Perry to utilize all of his skill sets. I think Paul is the kind of person who currently, it, it almost takes an outside thing seeing him to make him feel valuable. And I don't know that he has discovered how to activate that value himself. I really want to see what that does and then what ego that creates and what like fearlessness that creates because he's getting messy in season two and I want to see him. I mean, I like a mess, so I want him to get a little bit messier, fall apart some more. I like a mess. I love a yeah, mess. Yeah, bring it. Come on now. Um, so you just recently directed your first feature. I did, our Deadly Vows. Yes, tell us about that. It, you also co-star in it with your wife. I did, I'll, I'll tell you, it's so funny. Uh, I made the movie because nobody was hiring my wife. And Love I had that a, you did I that. A, I had a break and I was shooting Gotham at the time and I was, mm. it was hurting my sweet little spirit. I was like, this is draining me dry because it's such a long shoot. And I was talking about making films and my wife has always been a filmmaker since she was in college making like race films. And I was like, oh my God, you were doing this stuff in college? Like I didn't even, I was like learning to read. And um, <laughs> Well, you were being very successful in theater, but okay. I mean, yeah, I was doing all right. Um, but she wasn't getting work for whatever reason in the world. And so we were like, all right, we've got three months, write something, film something and eventually sell something and it follows her and it kind of observes the weight of black women in America. It's a really like light thriller, but the point of it is like, man, black women have to deal with so much. And it's a funny way of dealing with it because there's murder and <laughs> death, but that's what it feels like. The stresses of my wife's life. I mean, she's hella talented, super beautiful, and you're like, well, why aren't you working? I feel yeah, like you're at the well, box. where are the opportunities? Box are yeah. and, and then, you know, the occasional audition comes through, and it's like, well, you're not the right kind. And I was like, well, you are for me, so I'll make the movie. And then she, fully, 100% her, has dealt with distribution and selling. I've done nothing. I'm, I am dead weight at this point. <laughs> I am dead. She's like, will you give me the file? I'm like, mm, no. <laughs> no, I won't. No, I won't do anything. When When is the release date? Is there a, a date that we can... I don't know when the release date is because I think we are, like, I think it's like two signatures away. Mm -hmm. It's for me to be able to, like, confidently say something yeah. and not feel like an asshole when I go. No, I get it. It never happens. Uh, <laughs> I get it. Uh, and plus, I'm not going to remember. I should have brought her up here. She'd be like, let me take the mic. Yeah, we should have. Um, and then you had a film at Sundance, All Dirt Roads. We Rose, did All Dirt Roads, Taste, Taste of, of Salt. Salt, Raven Jackson. It is gorgeous. Have you seen it? No, I'm not. sorry. Yeah. No, no, I didn't get to see have? it. How could you have? You weren't there. Well, I did or get to go to Sundance, but I was stuck in a studio all day. Interviewing? Yes. So oh. sometimes going to screenings wasn't... Exhausting. That thing, well, I love it. Exhausting. No. It's a lot at altitude. And getting an Uber is basically impossible. <laughs> yes. But, you know, yeah. I can't complain. at any time is like, oh, I'm going to be 40 minutes late. Uh, yeah. And freezing. Yeah. And wet. 
and cold. <laughs> but I do love it. I love the mountains. I think it's so beautiful up there. Oh, man, I've just had the opposite reaction. I really? hate it so much. You hate the cold? Yeah, it's dumb. Yeah, it's really... I mean, my hair was freezing. Like actually frozen to ice cold. I believe you. Yeah, I believe you. if if you could, if I could breathe, I would have I would have touched my hair to know it was so cold. I hated it. Oh my god, I hated it. I was like, why can't we do this somewhere African, like hot as hell? Please. I mean, I'd be on board. Come on, yeah. let's go tropical. We yeah. never, we nobody go to the screenings though. I guess this. Well. The drawback of. I mean, yeah, I'd be on the beach. Let's yeah, be I was gonna say a, be a beach film festival. <laughs> no. Not gonna. Uh, but Alder Trose is rad. You know, Raven Jackson is such a sweet, amazing, brilliant pioneer, and it's his poem of a movie, and it broke my brain about how films can be made, especially with black. Like it's, it reminded me of Terrence Malick, but I'm all, I'm used to Terrence Malick showing people that look like him, so I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, that's you know a white people movie, and <laughs> that's my immature way of saying that, and. Mm -hmm. um, then she just wrote this thing. It was 56 pages, maybe 52. And I was like, what is this? And it's just 90 minutes. And so really for her, if she says close up on Isaiah, hugging uh, his daughter, it's going to be a close up. And it's you're going to watch that close up. And it challenged me a lot. Even in watching it, I was like, whoa, I, my little American brain needs to get bigger. <laughs> you know, I need to like, I need to break some like viewing habits, I think. But yeah. I think it's just so stunning. And then seeing it with an audience is different than seeing it alone. Yeah. It's one that's meant to be seen a couple times, I think. Mm, I have to have to see it. She's so good. Yeah. So good. I'm definitely sold. Yeah. Um, do you feel like you can tell me what you're up to next? Or is that under wraps? <laughs> <laughs> I had to look and see. Uh, yeah. I booked this. This uh, great little gig on Ryan Murphy's feud playing, I can say it, James Baldwin, which is really rad because, like, I've always wanted to play him, but I was like, I'm kind of fat. And so, fat. I mean, it's like fat for James is like five to 116 pounds. Okay. And so I was like, oh, this isn't going to happen until I'm older and have the discipline, a little bit more discipline to play an older version. And so when this came up, it was so shocking to my system. I was like, oh, that's sooner than I, okay, but I've been working on this. And so after I booked it and got that, it was such a supportive environment, like mind-blowingly supportive. Cause there's a lot of narratives about like a Ryan Murphy set and I, you know, I'm, I'm on guard, I'm ready. It was awesome. Everybody was so happy, so nice. Some people are, you know, more reserved than others, but it's hard characters to play when you're playing, uh, gosh, what was, what? Can I say the theme or no? No, I got to shut my mouth now. Well, I said what I said, <laughs> and that's all I can say. <laughs> well, I appreciate you giving away that little bit. Yeah, we'll see if they ever hire me again now that I've said all that. <laughs> I don't. I want to ask so many questions, I but know. I don't want to get you in trouble. We'll have to wait. So I'll, I'll talk to you again when I'm allowed. Yeah, we'll wait till we're not recording. I'll tell okay. you everything. <laughs> okay. Um, so are you ready for 20 questions? Let's go. Let's do we. All right. What is your favorite thing about your current project? Wait, which current project? Whichever you want to talk about. Well, there's another one I can't talk about, but I'll tell you my favorite <laughs> thing about that is it's nice when other artists want me specifically. And the way I was approached was very much like Chris Chalk. This is why I need you. This is the specific parts of your, cause I'm like, I get, I love working on characters and building them. And so when someone sees that, it's pretty cool for me. 
and uh but you can't talk about what that is yet i don't I just looked over. I cannot. I just cannot. to be clear for the listeners that every time Chris pauses and goes, can I? He's looking over at his publicist, Cara. Yeah, because yeah, I'm not, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm very irresponsible. So it's good to have like someone I get it. holding my, my little leash. But it is nice to be a part of something where I know for a fact they want what I do. Yeah. No, I and mean, And they let absolutely. me fully dig into the nerdy, character developy stuff that I like the most. Mm -hmm. All right. What is the moment you realized you wanted to act? Ooh, complicated question. I was acting as a kid because I had some, my mother had to put me somewhere and she's a single, I have to close my eyes. I think of this, uh, cause she's a single mom and I needed to be somewhere. And that just kept being the place that she put me. However, I didn't even know, oh gosh, trauma so weird. I mm -hmm. didn't realize that TV was a job. Like I didn't have the brain that said, oh, those are options in life and that's a job. Not only is that a career option, but like even like watching the Cosby show, my brain never went, oh, you can be a lawyer and a doctor. It went, that's cool what they're doing on TV. Cause I was raising my nephew by 11. I was a little stressed out kid, had a lot to do. So you're saying you couldn't, you didn't know that be, being a lawyer was a job. I didn't know anything outside of changing diapers, eating food, you were surviving. I was very much yeah. surviving. I'd say, I mean, if we're being real to like 26, I was surviving. Even when I was working in theater, I, I was, it was a state of high anxiety and tight pelvic floor and all these like awful habits yeah. that we have in our stress state. Mm. Um, I, was, I was talking to someone who is in feud and I was like, you know, dude, you would never meet anybody like me in your life. How cool is this? Like, <laughs> you just not going to go to the places where I'm from, man. Right. I hear you. The question was. The moment you realized. Oh, man. I guess somewhere when I thought I was going to be a math major and realized how hard that would be, someone said, you can major in acting. And I went, say, what? You can? Oh, I'm going to do that then. And even still, I think four years later, I didn't understand how to have a career. And then I luckily did a show El Triciclis, Slastic in France, Spain, Belgium, Luxembourg, and Switzerland for six months. And I went, ah, this has a point. There is an actual purpose to this thing. You were touring with a theater production? The, yeah, El Tricicla, there are, I think they're actually a Catalan, but I'm gonna say Spanish company. Uh, three guys who went into physical comedy and they created these amazing shows and they were a big deal. They were so big. We went to train in Spain and it was, like they were on all the billboards and that's when I went, oh shit this is real. This is like a thing. And, and they did like Paris and Barcelona and we did, you know, but we were still doing Nice and Monte Carlo, like really cool stuff mm. for a little boy from North Carolina. And that was like maybe my third flight of my life going over there. Mm. Um, and somewhere in there is when I really thought, oh, this is a job. Well, because I had to pay me money for it to be a job, I guess. So yeah. when they paid me is when I <laughs> decided <laughs> it'd be my job. Um, you know, when I talk to people who didn't necessarily grow up with parents that had that in mind yeah. as a career option, yeah, it yeah. just was so other, it's like wild. Um, I always am curious, was there someone in your life that made you feel like that was doable? A teacher or someone that you looked up to that kind of made you feel you could imagine it? I feel like 
my mother is she though she did not have she's always she she says this well i don't know anything about it but i know you can do it and that i think is enough as i like moved through the tears of this thing this industry so many people's environments and parents are unsupportive and honestly i won by even going to college i won by getting a job and it's not that my 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 family line doesn't have jobs it's just that like we're closer to slavery than other people are and that means education that means emotional maturity that means opportunity that means mindset as a family and so i knew i'd be fine no matter what you know and plus she's always like you can always come back <laughs> so i'd say her support and her she's the consistent voice and probably the reason I never thought that I would not do well. I always pretty much assumed I'd do okay. She sounds like a great mom. She's rad, dude. Yeah. She's rad. She leads with love, you know? Mm. And she leads with I don't know. I mean, could you imagine if most people just went, I don't know? Everyone should say that just more. Just say, I have no idea. Yeah. Let's find out. She, I love she it. admits she knows nothing. And I, when I get more, oh, you know who else? Stephen McKinley Henderson. Have you ever met him? No. He's this actor. We did Fences on the Broadway together. Mm. And we were in La we're in Labyrinth Theater company, company together. And he's in Mensa, and he's the smartest person I know. And he knows he's the smartest person I know, but he never answers a question. Never answers, because he's like, you should find out yourself. And I'm like, now that is maturity. That's someone without big ego. I mean, he's goals. Yeah. I'm not fully there yet, but I'm, that's where I'm working towards, is just being that's this like kind some of zen like levels. Easier. <laughs> we're doing this play, and we're having these hard times, and then we're like, what does that mean? Because our director was, he's fine. But Stephen was our guiding force. And I'd be like, well, what is this moment? He's like, well, what do you think it is, blood? I'd be like, I just asked you a damn question. Don't make me think. You gotta think, man. So that's the goals. And that was when you were doing Fences with that's Denzel, Viola. Russell like, Hornsby, Michael yeah. T. Williamson, Sasha Eden. Who did I leave out? Nobody. Amazing. They're rad, very smart, yeah. very good actors, all different types of actors. It was a good time to learn about like stylistic approaches because, you know, Denzel has a certain thing. Vi has the depth. And de she walked in on the first day of rehearsal with an acting book. And I was like, oh, I guess I got to get my shit together. We're not done. This doesn't <laughs> end. She had just won some big thing. or I don't think it was Emmy or Oscar, but it was something. And she walked in with this book, Improvisation on Acting. I was like... We got to keep working. The humility of it. Come on. I know. What a great lesson. I love that. Yeah, she's rad. Yeah. Um, what were the posters you had on your bedroom wall? Michael Jordan. Mm. Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan. <laughs> I was a little obsessed. I cried when he retired. And now I look back oh. at that poor little boy and I was like, oh, you needed friends. Oh. Like you thought that was your buddy. That's so heartbreaking. Oh, I cry. I remember when he retired, and I had mono, and my mother wouldn't take me to the hospital because she could. Be, she was a nurse, so she could be a little like, "We can take care of it at home." I'm like, yeah. "No, we can't. I'm dying." <laughs> and he oh. retired, and I can't breathe. I'm, like, I'm gonna die and oh, never see no. him play again. Oh, I was obsessed. I barely watched sports now, but back then that was that was it. That was it. I didn't realize oh. I would grow to be five nine. <laughs> that's a humbling reality that <laughs> is like i'm not sure but i ain't tall <laughs> um what was the first movie you ever saw in the theater mm -hmm. this is good my mother used to sneak us into horror movies when we were kids drive through theaters which i miss drive in mm. drive in yeah drive in not drive through she put us in the trunk 
because we were poor and you don't pay for people you can't see. And it had to be... At what point did you get out of the trunk? Was it like, okay, kids, it's safe now? That is a very (laughs) funny question. Hey, what point did you get out of the trunk? She's like, Uh, okay, come on. It's like you once you park and then there's like the paranoia of being like a black person in the South, you look around and when you see other people's kids getting out of the trunk, then we go get popcorn, (laughs) hang out, jump on the car. Now, what is the movie? I would say Friday the 13th is the one I remember. That is really scary. Oh, yeah. Seen... How old were you? Young. Like, like six? Too young. F- five? Little? Poltergeist was next. Chucky eventually. We used to seek on Christmas. They used to always have a horror film Yeah. in addition to the holiday movie. And we're kind of a like shyer group and don't like a lot of people around us. So we go to the horror instead of the like big blockbustery thing and see that one later. And uh, it was always... It's a little like, if I'm traumatized, I know why. I mean, <laughs> like, if I had grown to be a serial killer, thanks, mom. Then, yeah. You did this. <laughs> you did. And then she tried to, like, she would cover my eyes for the boobs, but never for the murder. Oh. <laughs> what kind of dumb shit is that? That makes no sense. She's like, oh, titties, no. But you can watch this man cook. And, like, horror was intense. I can't that, even sit. I can't. I can't. Did you see Texas Chainsaw? I can't watch that. No. Holy crap. The gore, gory stuff? No. I'm not into too much. Hello. I'm not into too much gore now, but back then I thought it was the bloody birthday. No, <gasps> no. I'm aging no. myself quite a bit. But there are no. a few that I was like, there was one, uh, yeah, why not say? I didn't make the movie. It's not my fault. And I watched this as a kid. Me and my sister would watch Happy Birthday over and over. No, Truth or Dare over and over again. And someone would put a grenade in their mouth. Oh, no. I can't what? even. We're people doing I why did you make this and why was i like it's like it's like violence porn it's oh so it's gross. such pornography it's, it's such so fetishy gross, gross. it's like somewhere in my like emotional maturity i went oh i can't do this and since no. covid i actually can't even watch much violence anymore yeah that's yeah. weird that happened to i can't actually stand like i could, this is a really bad thing for me to admit given my job sure but i couldn't watch all quiet on the western front not a chance i'm watching because it. those those young boys Little babies killed i just couldn't do it no way dude i, I watch I, uh, yeah soldier coming home videos mm-hmm. when i'm like just yeah, in the tears. mood and it and i always recognize like the guy delivering the the news is 26 okay, yeah and he's talking about like a 17 or 18 year old like what are we doing i don't know it kills me to think they're just babies i feel like though <laughs> it's really weird how people have become like immune to like the saw movies they become immune to this kind of like it's, it's really this frightening to me a part of flesh in a in, yeah. a in our movie our daily vows everybody was like is it gonna are you gonna show a lot of a blood i was like barely any is this psychological what the imagination is for you know yes. and also i'm not yet clever enough to like just <laughs> be real you know, i know what i went to school for you know what I mean? like, i'm not yet clever enough to to do it in a way that is not traumatizing i'm not trying to traumatize people right and i also don't like night well, i love nightmares but not bloody nightmares yeah i think psychological horror is Ooh. is where it's at for me the strangers did you watch that no i haven't Ooh-wee. seen that I don't think there's gore, but boy, it'll get you. Okay. It's, uh, what year? We'll figure it out. But that's one that barely any blood, but it really makes me not ever want to answer my door. Okay. You know, you mentioned Poltergeist and that for me is like the ultimate, but I love it because it's not, 
violent. It's in. It's so brainy, yeah, and it's in it's their spooky. brains. Well, it's, it's outside of their brains, but like you know, the the little claymation stake crawling across. Oh my the god, the stake! With, that with okay, a, that part I look away where he pulls his oh, face. Pulls the face off. Now I fast forward. Through. And didn't everybody in that movie like die of unknown causes? I'm not messing. They with actually the did. I'm not messing with the poltergeist. They did. They do a remake of the poltergeist. They can miss us. Yeah, because you We're know there's some that. cursed stuff going Gotta on. Gotta be. I don't know. What's going it was on. so an exorcist. <laughs> <gasps> Her head spun around, bro. I'm like, are you kidding me? And I'm supposed to sleep at night. I'm supposed to go to school and be like, oh, that girl's safe. No, her head could spin around at any time. I was an effed up kid. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The part about your mom covering the boobs. Yeah, she's like, oh, no. You won't have sex, but if you kill someone, perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. Oh, my God. I wish your mom was part of this as well. We could get her involved. She'd be funny. She'd say, well, I didn't. I didn't know. She's the best. Um, what is a TV or film character you wanted to be when you were growing up? James Baldwin. Really? Yeah, I wanted to play James Baldwin really? my whole life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because wow. he, he, I was a, a taken out of an environment of all black kids of a certain like we we're all poor black kids and thrown into this accelerated education program where it was all white kids, and it forced me to have kind of an empathy, sympathy, compassion for all of us but also to be incredibly displaced. And I always felt like that was very James Baldwin-y because he was always, like black people almost didn't fuck with him. Mm-hmm. They were like, okay, intellectual. And we're going to go to Martin and Malcolm while you sit and tell white yeah. people how to act. And the more I got to know him, not know him, but you know, read his stuff, I was like, oh, we did a similar thing, but you're so much smarter. <laughs> <laughs> I used to do speech and debate. Uh, I used to think I would be a TV host just because of that. Like, there's something about how he articulates thought that I yeah. really appreciate. Yeah. Brilliant man. And then anybody else is probably a criminal now, so I wouldn't name them. <laughs> I just happened to grow up with a bunch of criminals who were on TV. Sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We watch the Cosby show all the time, and I can't watch I know. it now. I'm like, this guy's a it's tyrant. Shocking. It's absolutely shocking. Damn him. Best reruns of all time, and I can't watch it. I know. Oh, it happens so often these days as well. You're like, oh, another 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 childhood person I looked up to. Who was a scoundrel. Mm. F him. Yeah. Um, What is your pick of Desert Island films or TV shows? How many do I get? As many as you want. But obviously, you don't have to name. Will them I all. be by myself or with my wife? Oh, you could be with your wife. If that's I'm nice. with my wife, we'll need some Real Housewives of some sort. Potomac, probably, because that's the only one I can tolerate. <laughs> um, used to it. This season, not so great. I love Fix that it. you watch it. Fix it. Uh, love is blind. Oh or my some god! Some sort of married at first sight. Any sort of like relationshipy, because when we watch that, it's always us going. How would we handle this? So that's How, your therapy, your couples therapy. A little bit. We mm. should probably just do real couples therapy. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like you're doing all right with the TV. Um, yeah. And then let's get into it for real. Ooh, whoa, anime. I like anime mm-hmm. because anything with a non-American sensibility, like is that the uh, 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 Luther might be on the list. Mm-hmm. There's certain anime that would be on the list. Rudy, the film Rudy, would be on the list. 1917, I know it's a war film, but it just melts my Love brain. Love that film. I don't. Like Roma would be on the list. Yeah. Just to realize, just to constantly humble myself. <laughs> just to be like, oh, 
Brilliant. Wow, people are geniuses. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd have something with Denzel in there because he, he kind of speaks to an ego I wish I had. Um, mm-hmm. Like uh, He's like a big bear. <sighs> Which one? I almost want to say Roman, the Roman P. Israel that nobody saw. That might be the wrong name. But it felt like he was really going for something that in these like more recent years where he don't really have to try anymore. So I'd say something where it, so that I would dare to, I dare to be better as I age. Oh, mm. I could go all day. Um, something funny. I suppose when I think about desert island films, I think what's something that never gets old. Day. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Never Rudy gets never gets old because I got yeah. daddy issues. Wow. You know, you don't have a daddy razor, you get daddy issues. And oh so, yeah. Though Rudy is like all white people. And Charles Dutton, man, it gets me every time. Yeah. When it, and then and then and, uh, Ned Beatty, Ned Beatty, when he opens this the envelope, this is some of the best acting I've ever seen. He says, "Hey, Dad, Rudy." Uh, Sean goes, "Dad, look at this," and he's, "Ah, oh, you idiot! We're just construction workers. We make steel. Uh, who gives a damn?" And as he <laughs> opens it, he like really takes it in and he starts treating it like it's it's crystal. The mm. letter because he idolizes Notre Dame not his son that's the messed up part mm-hmm. but Notre Dame so much and I was like I want it I want to feel like that and I want to do that in a movie <laughs> like, yes. I want to be so specific and have some like do the work of course to have something be so treasured he really treasured that note but I also have seen it too many times I feel like you need to do the remake I mean can you make that happen? I mean, I mean, aren't we all Rudy stories in well, our heads? Well, I think you well, should I'm never going to make it. I'm five nine. <laughs> um, what is the weirdest job you've ever had? Uh, weirdest? I don't know. Worse, Fuddruckers, because I was 14 and they What's had me that? work. Fuddruckers is this like burger shop. Oh. Mm-hmm. And the, o- the owner, who knows, but the kids who were the manager were 20, 20, 22. So I was like 14, 15, illegal, mm-hmm. working from 7 p.m., till two three in the morning and then waking up for school oh my god at five six and excuse me you're falling asleep in class oh yeah of course yeah asleep in class but also like going back to like we're working people my Mm. mother thought that was absolutely normal she was upset but she was like this is i guess this is what it is and then one day i quit and she was like thank god because i was getting ready to come up there and cuss them out (laughs) and we didn't realize again being poor sucks i gotta tell you just because you know i'm sorry messed up your level i'm sorry <laughs> being poor sucks because there's also just we didn't know we could have sued them like yeah. that's child labor laws like the worst of the worst i used to have to i used to eat burgers off people's plates Aww. because i made 425 an hour oh god and the burgers were like 13 bucks back then they didn't so like, give you as much as you wanted to come eat on, come on come on but isn't the rule now that if you work there, you can eat for free in these places? Like, I have no idea. Isn't and that like I hope standard? I never have to know again. Well, it was yeah, a I think it's bizarre gig. not to miserable, feed. Miserable, miserable gig. I'm shocked that, I mean, okay, there's so many things to be shocked about. The pay, the hours, all the things. Yeah, yeah. The Name age, it. the Name age. It. But it's basic. You feed, if you work if in you a restaurant. Them, shut his mouth. They I get mean, fed. Just be nice. They weren't nice. I remember mopping the floor. Mopping the floor. Mopping the floor, and it's like late. I'm like, golly, man. Okay, three hours of sleep. That's okay. This will be worth it when I get my 14 cent check. And the mm. guy, this little asshole's in his office, just drinking beer, cracking open beers, really, just popping them back. And I'm like, 
No. This is North Carolina for you. This little white boy's back there enjoying his night while I am my little, I was a little, I mean, I was muscly. 14 years old. 14 year olds look like 14 year olds when I was 14 years old. Mm -hmm. I'm a a little dude. I didn't look like, oh, he's, I didn't look like a LeBron James 14 year old. Yeah, you were a kid. And this kid, this little ding-a-ling was not very nice. Oh, well, Uh, I wonder where he is now. Where are you at, Mr. (laughs) Jennings? You know it's nowhere good. <laughs> or hopefully he's evolved into like a compassionate human being who's not a dick anymore. Well, that was very kind of you. That's what we hope, right? Well, that's generosity. Instead of living in uh, in anger and hatred, you're like <laughs> super you zen. You're like, I hope he's evolved. <laughs> I do. Good for him. Yeah. Um, Tell me. Who is your dream dinner companion, living or dead? Mm. Right now, today, it'd be my grandmother. Because I didn't know how to get to know her when she died, before she died. I didn't understand, like, that was a responsibility that probably I had more than her just because of where we come from and how we are. So I kind of didn't invest as much in asking just ridiculous questions. Now I ask everybody all sorts of dumb questions. But back then I was super shy. I was a little scared of her because she's a little abusive. (laughs) And she's so strict. But it would have been cool to just figure out. Now I'd be like, but why? Let's go deeper. Why do yeah. you think it is you like to hit people? Um, <laughs> yeah. But that'd have been rad. Yeah. yeah. And then James Baldwin can be next to her. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. What is the toughest scene you've ever had to play? Mm-hmm. Toughest scene I ever had to play. Man, that could be answered in so many ways. Uh, it's in, it's in, it's in feud because we shot 20 pages in two days, 20 pages in in two two days, days. in two days. What? I got the script and was like, it's a lot of words. How did you do that? Man, again, that's what I mean. When I, when I go on about how supportive that environment was, because I had a little mini panic attack. I talked to the star and was like, Hey man, how you feeling? you've been doing this already. And he's like, hey, I have panic attacks every three days. Don't, don't. We're safe. You're good. And even just that, that, it was amazing. Mm. And then there was like a five-page monologue day. Oh, my God. Grr. Grr. How do you, I don't even know how. On TV. We're not doing how? a play, man. On TV. But the director was rad. Max Winkler was the director. That whole environment. Tanase, everybody was so stinking supportive. Um. I wish it was something for Perry because I could say more about Perry Mason on HBO right now. Um, (laughs) But that environment, I just don't think Paul is a very, he's not super hard to play. It sucks. His compression sucks and the environment is awful, but that's also 2023. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just choose a neighborhood. Mm. Whereas, you know, playing someone vastly intellectually different and vastly mechanically different was... Right, just the dialogue. Yeah. That much dialogue. It was awesome. It was scary. Yeah. I haven't I been scared as in a very long time. And I, I I had friends come to the hotel I was at. My wife was like, you want to come say hey to everybody and before you go do your work? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we went down and it was our friends Toya, Jasmine, and Sabria. And I hadn't seen them in so long. And I just start weeping. Oh. I was like, <laughs> It's hard, and I'm scared, and it was so nice because we got to, I don't live in New York anymore, and it was like, you know, we all want to be seen by somebody. Yeah, of course. Yeah. 
Well, it's good that you saw them then. It was yeah. perfect to see them. Um, what's the most fun you've ever had on a set? Man, I have fun on sets every day. I'm a wreck. I'm a mess. I love getting <laughs> in people's business. I love because I do a ton of work so that I can play at work. Like that's really it's not yeah. so I can be a better You're very actor. Prepared. So that, yeah, I'm incredibly. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm annoyingly prepared. I know other people's stuff. That's how prepared I am. And so <laughs> getting to know people's fun. Let me see the most fun. Let me try to answer your question. Most fun. Um, I have a lot of fun with Jar Kilpatrick on. We have a lot of fun. In fact, there's maybe tonight's, oh my, I shouldn't say tonight, episode fours, um, there's a scene in episode four that <laughs> we had so much fun because it was so intimate and so vulnerable, <laughs> but like it's not sexual or anything. And we were like, ooh, ooh, girl, I'm sweating. <laughs> I, I got to call and apologize to your husband. Like this is, this. I don't mean any offense. This is intense. We often had a lot of fun. I can't wait to start doing more comedy so that I can, that answer will be like, yeah. when we improv for three hours. You know, it's like 12 Years a Slave. Not super fun. <laughs> Not a fun film. Although, like weirdly, I talk to people a lot who say that working on a really serious film, everyone cracks up. A lot of laughter. Off, yeah, because yeah. you have to. Well, if you don't, if you take it yeah. too seriously, like we didn't live it. Yeah. Give it a break. Take a minute. Yeah. Um, what advice would you give your younger self? Uh, I'd, I'd tell my little sweetie, I'd say you're safe first off. And then I'd tell him to not take anybody very seriously at all. Cause nobody knows what the fuck they're talking about. Oh God. I love that. So true. They have no idea. Nobody knows anything. I love the nobody knows anything. I wish someone had told me that. Come and the on. other thing I wish tell me. is that. I understood that no one cares what you're doing. No one gives a shit. No one cares. I still have to. Uh, that one's so deep because yeah. of, you know, movies, TV, magazines, sure. be fat, be skinny, you're not enough. Man, that's a tough one to unlearn, in particular living in LA. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, and with social media. I'm so grateful that that Me didn't too. exist. But it's such a myth that people Care. really even notice no what one you're cares. up to because they're just thinking about themselves. They're, it's all a reflection of their nonsensical world. Yeah. So why, projection. why care? Projection. Let's go. Mm. All projection. Even your even your mommy. Oh, especially. Even your wife <laughs> is a little bit of like, that's not my stuff. I say to yeah. my, oh, it's, it's not. I don't say it in the, I don't, it sounds worse than it is. But I say, hey, that's not my problem. That's no, your stuff. It. That's your stuff. It's like they say in AA, keep your side of the street clean and that's yep. it. Yep, and that's right? all, that's your job. And then support your neighbor, but like that's your neighbor's. Let them, let them yeah. clean their shit up. No one knows anything. No one cares. No one cares. <laughs> okay. And like you're safe. Like if you're breathing and you're awake and you're not on fire, you're safe. Yeah. Man, that's great. That's a good one. We did three good ones. Mm. Um, have you ever been starstruck? Magic Johnson, when I worked at the W New York Times Square, I, I had to check him in, and I'm the littlest doorman, which is so embarrassing. And because everybody's 6'8, 6'4, and they're so big, and I'm like just a squat 5'9. And he came out of his car, and he's so big that first I realized that the guy I work with isn't 6'9. I said, Magic Johnson's 6'9, and he's taller than you. You're 6'8. That was our first thing. And then I didn't talk for the whole check-in. I'm supposed to, it's the W. And back in then it was very, it's so culty. Whatever, whenever. What is that? 
whatever, whenever. I'm going to do whatever a person wants whenever they want. No, I'm not. That was that was that's the, the philosophy is uh, whatever the whenever. We'll do what they filled somebody's tub full of chocolate before. Guess is what that it did? Why it's called the W. Who knows? I'm sure they I named it and then that. went with some like yeah. cute little W words. Wheels. That's the valet. Um, <laughs> I never knew that it, that was the, the. Oh yeah, if you want, I mean, line. who knows now? You know, I think yeah, I don't think they're as fancy as they thought they were back then. Yeah, man, I did not. I was so good at that job. I hated it. I was so good at that job. Why were you so good at? Because I love people, yeah. and I'm a nosy bastard. So like, <laughs> you know, I'm very good at like, how's it going today? I want to know anyway. You know, I don't have. It's not a performance. It doesn't wear me out. It's like, tell me everything. Oh yeah, but when Magic checked in. First off, he gave everybody 50 bucks. I was like, that is classy. Classy. Mm. Just enough that it doesn't bother him, but it made our day. And I was supposed to be like, this is our welcome. This is our living room. This is our... I didn't say one word. I just kept (laughs) looking at him like, what? And my heart was beating so fast. And I was like, I'm embarrassed. I was like, I'm better than this. I hang out with Phil Hoffman. Why is Magic Johnson wearing me out? But it's mostly athletes and dancers that really they got you. This morning in my gym, mm-hmm. I found out that a lady that I work out with is like f- old school legendary dance. Who? Her name is Rhapsody, oh, and I didn't she's know her. and and I've seen her move and I notice it. But like we just, I know she's so strong. Her deadlift game is elite. And we were talking today, and I was like. I'm going to be a little nosier today. And then I found out her and her friend were dancers, and then I went, I got a little shy. <laughs> I immediately went, ooh, is that what you, tell me more. You know what this is, though? What they say when you have that response to something, it's it's telling you that you need to do that. Oh, yeah, dancing and I. Yeah. I oh, I'm subscribed to steezy.com. We got dance in our house at all times. We karaoke in our house at but all times. But maybe you need to do, like, more. Like a proper yeah. in front of human beings? Yes. Because hmm. maybe that's why you're having this reaction. Hmm. Look, I'm sweating now. <laughs> hmm. Dancing in front of I had to sing on Newsroom, and it sucked. Oh, Alan Poole was directing. Wasn't it a great show? First season oh, in particular. I watched it over and over and over again. I watched that pilot many times. Such a good. If show. I'm feeling like I just want to feel something, and yeah. like it felt so, like such a hopeful pilot. Mm. But Alan Poole was directing, and he can be a bit meticulous because he's a producer director, which means he can do what he wants to do. <laughs> he's the he's fully the boss, and I couldn't sing. I'm not. I don't have the same kind of confidence as say Leslie Odom Jr. in singing. Um, okay. And <laughs> and I was walking down the hall singing, and he wanted it to be like good, and it took hours. And I was like, <laughs> dude, this is humiliating like this is this is really pulling me outside of my comfort zone yeah so, but you did it oh yeah i was fine fine at C? best fine at, i was i give uh, myself a c plus okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know i love that you just mentioned philip seymour hoffman because mm. you were in a theater group where he was he was artistic up, director yeah. yeah yeah i i interviewed him i still can't believe he's gone he was Oh, just incredible. Mm. And like the humility and softness uh, that a person, because I was coming out of school and I didn't know what to do. And I just knew I had, I knew I had like what I consider good taste, but I didn't know if I was executing that way. And when he was directing Our Lady of 121st Street, I was the reader, uh, mm-hmm. which is the best job in the world being a reader. Uh, if you want to learn how to audition and act. 
And he gave every single person 35 minutes, whether they were good or bad. They left mm. way better because he really wanted to impact and really wanted good art. And the way he was doing it, I was like, well, I think the same thing. I just have way less practice. And after that and learning to, you know, being around him and the John Ortiz's of the world really gave me a different kind of confidence. Mm. You know, I think I had like arrogant confidence, like delusional confidence, but then it felt like a more grounded and like, oh, okay, just got to practice and learn how to articulate my thoughts a little better and have a little bit more presentational confidence so that people don't just forget me all the time, which used to happen a lot. Uh, he was rad yeah. and so talented. Forget about it. Yeah. Like who could listen better than him? Oh, it's so sad. I mean, the he just so much is happening, and mm. it's not a, it's not lies. It's like, poor guy, you're putting yourself through it. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're putting yourself take take just ease off just a little Tortured bit for artist us. Tortured artist or what? Yeah. Right? My last question: What job would you be doing if this hadn't worked out? Oh boy, uh, I'd be probably a teacher or some sort of something. Because my favorite thing is to watch a person have a breakthrough. Mm -hmm. or a realization and uh even if i didn't get to do that doing this i wouldn't probably do this so some sort of teacher or coach or part-time coach if i foolishly stayed in math oh could you yeah, imagine math. why math? i'd be so tense my shoulder i'd be rounded were you over. like inherently good at math i'm pretty good at yeah. things that are concrete I mean, I'm good at like a 5D reality as well. We can get deep. But <laughs> <laughs> but I like two plus two is four. Okay. If I, if it's something that can, it's just about being meticulous and figuring it out, I, I'm very good you at that. You might have been a scientist of some sort. I could be a scientist, but what would I discover? I mean, I'd be such you a waste. Know. I'd be a cog in the wheel. You might have done something wild with the multiverse. Who knows? Don't you play with me. <laughs> I'll retire right now. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure speaking Thanks for with hanging you. Out. It's, been a, it's been rad. Thank you for listening to 20 Questions on Deadline. For more episodes, subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.